everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss, and I'm joined as ever by Jonathan Fadugba for this show. Um, we've got a very special guest on this episode, uh, Urubro manager Axel Kjell, and I'm really looking forward to uh, hearing uh, his interview that uh, he did with Jonathan very recently. Um, but first of all, let's welcome my friend onto the show, Mr Fadugba. How's things going? Hi, Steve, and hi, everyone. Yes, I'm fine, thank you. Doing well. Uh, we're in quarantine here, as usual, although we're about to end the lockdown. And, yeah, I'm getting a bit of a quarantine moustache, quarantine afro. It's all, you know, there's hair everywhere at the moment, a bit like you, Steve, eh? Yeah, you know, I've got this bit of this gruff look going on, but, uh, <laughs> you know, the missus seems to like it, so uh, that'll do me. Um, <laughs> so we've got a bit of analysis um, beforehand. Um, we were asked on uh, Twitter a few weeks ago, actually, to uh, to cover a couple of players. Now, uh, so I've got one from Norway, a new signing that's gone in there, and you've got one in Sweden to talk about as well. So, um, yeah, a bit, a bit of quick fire analysis before uh, before we move on to the interview. Yeah, we were we were um, we've been asked. We put the word out there for our listeners. We've said, given our partnership with Y Scout this season been renewed for another year which is great to great to be part of uh why the leading platform for video analysis we asked our followers uh, if they want an analysis of any new signings so we said we're going to take a statistical look at some new signings and players in sweden and norway on our next show any requests and we've had quite a few requests haven't we um, but we've had one from sweden one from norway that we've picked out steve you're going to go first We've got five minutes each, roughly. Uh, and the player that you have is from at Vigard Bjorga, I believe. So I will let you take it away on this analysis, introduce the player, and who's asked the question, of course. Yeah, uh, this is the question from uh, at Vegard uh, Bjorga. Uh, I'm a Strom's Goodser fan. Um, thanks very much for this. Uh, he is interested in hearing about Yanis. Ikarniaks from uh, a Latvian international, from uh, who they've signed uh, in the off season from uh, Lipaja, a Latvian side. There, I don't know much about them, I must say, but this player does have an interesting history. Um, he had a spell in France with FC Metz, a bit of a mysterious spell actually. A bit more on that later, but um, he's been around the block a bit. Um, the last two or three years in uh, Latvia on loan from Metz, and then he, he signed for Lipaja. So basically we've got a, I would call him a, a versatile attacker, um, but a winger mostly, with a very strong left foot. Um, so which means, you know, on the left-hand side there, he's going to be a traditional winger, but he's also equally adept on the right-hand side as an inside forward, uh, inverted winger, whatever you want to call it. He can do other positions as well. I would say a big strength of this player is his um, technical skills, flair. That is um, a word that comes to mind when you think about Corniaks. Um, good balance, good technique, good vision, things like that. Um, and he's, he's he's done really well in the last couple of years in the Latvian league. Um, 2018, for example, he had a really high uh, dribble, a decent dribbling success rate. He's he seems to have a high expected goal figure. Um, in comparison to his position, for example, 2018, 0.55 expected goals per game, 
and uh, 0.32 expected goals per game in 2019. He didn't actually always live up to those targets, which is a concern, I must say. But um, his finishing, I think, is a weakness um, for this player. But he's not going to be playing as a striker too often, although he will get chances. I think it's a real positive that he's getting high expected goal figures. He must be getting in the right sort of positions, you know. I do, I do like that in a player. We, we've had this debate before, haven't we? What is, is it good to be sort of well above your expected goals, or is it actually good to be getting those figures uh, of the chances anyway? And I think we've got to look with, as a positive in that regard. Like I say, he's got a very strong left foot, and that I've noticed. I've been watching some of his video clips on Y Scout. Too many times he tries to take the finish with his left foot instead of his right. A bit like a Savo Milosevic used to be for Aston Villa, if you remember him, like seriously one-footed. Um, I mean, yeah, he's not saying he can't do things with his right, but he, he does have a strong tendency to want to to do it with his left peg, which is it's a good and a bad thing, isn't it? Um, you know, that's it. Yeah, have uh, conceded fifty-four goals last season and finished in the bottom five, finished eleventh, I believe. Um, do they need this sort of player and where do you see him fitting in? You know, is he going to be a regu regular starter? Will he start on the bench? or um, What's the outlook for him from that, from that point of view? Where is he going to fit into this side? I have to say, I think it's a really good signing in, in terms of positionally because they, uh, under Henrik Pedersen, were using a 4-3-3 formation back end of last season. Um, so you basically, in the three up front, you've got a striker, a left winger and a right winger and those left and right wingers sort of interchange a bit um sometimes in the traditional winger role sometimes cutting inside he can basically play in all three of those positions even striker if he wanted him to so he fits into into that formation perfectly well and, and that's a big part of, of, of signing someone in that regard so i have to take my hat off to them in that regard um little bit concerned he, he can be he's not the the most physical of players as a lot of wingers aren't, of course, you know, strength and that. And we know that the Norwegian league, there can be a few bullies around, can't they? So I could see, I think you could, if it was me, I'd be crunching into him with a few strong tackles, going hard and see what he's made of um, in that respect. So that's a little bit concerning, but he's got the technical ability and the flair to sort of evade these sort of um, tackles and things. And, um, you know, he's got decent pace as well, but he's got good vision. Which is good. I mean, I think that's, they're going to be. He will come into the team on that left or right wing. I think, Jonathan. Yeah, and he's he's played twelve games for Mets as well. He's played in the French league between twenty fifteen and twenty eighteen. Started his career at Lipadja Metalurgs. Uh, moved to Lipadja. Had two spells there. Thirty two games in his first spell. Forty one games in his second spell. And has twenty six caps for Latvia with three goals. So it could be an interesting one. Is he the sort of player you'd probably put in your, you know, lead Serie fantasy team? Is he going to be creative? Is he going to weigh in with those assists? What's your verdict on that? I think he will be uh, one to watch for fantasy football, but definitely um, a new player coming in. And if he plays like he did in the Latvian league, then he'll go very well. He'll be a goal-scoring threat and an assist threat. He does take set pieces as well, and he's good from the penalty spot. Whether or not he'll get set pieces, uh, Penalty duties at Godsay, I don't know. But he has scored from the spot quite a few times. Um, I mean, his time at Mets was a bit of a mystery, like I said. He um, he joined there with uh, high hopes. And um, I think he was maybe a bit too young, a bit too lightweight for the league. And uh, I mentioned before his lack of finishing let him down. Well, in that in the French League, you've got to be clinical, haven't you? Because there's not many chances. You've got to make the most of them when they come. I think in these leagues like Latvia, Norway, 
there's going to be more opportunity for him to score. So he can afford a few misses, can't he? The goalkeepers aren't as good. The defenders make more mistakes. So you don't have to have that clinical edge as much. But that's where it went wrong from in, in France. But I think he could be a very good signing for a good set in, um, in Norway there. And um, a, a good player to keep an eye on, like I say. Okay, fantastic. That is Yanis Kaoniex. Thanks for the question, uh, Vegard. Really appreciate it. And we're going to move on to the next one. Uh, yeah, just to finalise it, it's a free transfer as well. And he's on a contract until 2022 at Strom's Godset. So keep an eye out for him, Yanis Ikaoniex. So we also had a, um, a suggestion from uh, someone called Pat Scout, who's very interested in a new player at uh, Helsingborg that you're going to talk about now. Now, um, you're going to mention him for a few minutes on this episode, but you've also done an in-depth video analysis on this player, uh, which we, you can talk about in a minute, Jonathan. But uh, it's a new Helsingborg player. Take it away. Yeah, I think it's at FC Peaky Blinder. Thanks a lot for the question. He's asked us about a Dutch player who Helsingborg have signed by the name of Anthony van den Herk. And it is, in fact, the honour, Anthony van den Herk, as the honour of being the very first video blog analysis uh, I will be doing on a new show uh, on Just Football. And hopefully we'll post it on the Nordic Football Podcast account if we can as well. Um, but to watch the full analysis, go to bit.ly, so bit dot ly slash jf analytics bit.ly slash jf analytics that will take you to a video which we are going to post of anthony van den Herk, a complete and comprehensive full analysis of helsingborg's new signing so what i'll do for now is just a couple of minutes i'll briefly talk you through him for those who maybe are unable to watch that video this is a player that helsingborg fans certainly will be excited about they signed him in fact, in February, and the intention was he would stay at the club. Uh, his former club, he's been playing in the Dutch second division for most of his career, former PSV youth graduate. The aim was for him to stay there for most of his uh, the season, finish the season in the Netherlands, and then move to Sweden. But obviously, with the COVID-19 crisis, um, they had a buyout clause at Helsingborg, and they bought out his contract from MVV Maastricht and have signed him permanently. Uh, so he's now available to play from whenever the league is free to resume. What kind of player is Anthony Van den Herk? Well, as I say, if you head to the analysis, you'll see a full proper in-depth video report in all aspects of his game. But just briefly, he's a striker. He scored 17 goals last season for MVV Maastricht, which is a really good ratio. Uh, scored 45% of the team's goals. So that tells you a lot that you need to know about them. Mid-table club Maastricht last season. Um, and he's a penalty box striker, doesn't get too much involved in the build-up play in terms of uh, all-round game. He's, he's more of a target man. He, he, he occupies those general target man duties, um, but he's strong. He's got good physique. He's a cute finisher in the box, good heading, timing of his runs. We looked at a lot of a lot of his games, his clips, and put together a really detailed analysis of him. So um, on that analysis, I give my verdict in terms of what he can bring, how many goals I expect him to score, exactly what he can offer Helsingborg, uh, compare him to some of the players in that squad, profile him against some of their other players and past players, and really uh, go into depth on statistics, compare him to Rasmus Jonsson, uh, compare him to other players as well, um, who he models against. But yeah, Van den Herk is definitely a player to look out for this season. And I think Helsingborg fans can potentially be fairly excited. 
Yeah, I'm just going to ask you, ask you one question, a quick one question about him. Um, I've been looking at his um, history at clubs. Now, he's 27 years old. He's never actually played in a top flight of any country, of a division in any country. This will be the first time. Now, do you have a concern about that at 27 years old that he can um, make that step up to a top flight league? I mean, how do you compare the Dutch second division to the um, Auschwitzkin? Well, it's a really good question and one I, I've been struggling to find an answer for. And, you know, maybe there's a, a gap in the market there because uh, I did look to try and find a direct comparison between Allsvenskan and Dutch Eerste Divisie, the Koiken Kampion Divisie. And it's really hard to find any kind of direct comparison. Um, you go on your UEFA site, coefficients, that kind of thing. You can't really get a league by league comparison. The, the best really way to do it is probably football manager. Um, but the one thing for sure is... Um, there is a, a big step up, I think, between the Dutch second division and the Svenskan. I've looked into the quality of the leagues. I've, I've modelled it very, very closely on how I believe he'd fit in uh, in the video. And I do think it will be a step up. He's mentioned it as well. He said that the intensity of the game, he's already been training, he's given a few interviews, and he said the intensity in training is a lot higher than he's used to. Um, so he will have to step up. But I think physically he can do that. And I think one thing you learn on the analysis is that you know, he, he's got a very good track record goals-wise and his background as well. Played with Memphis Depay at PSV as a youth player. So maybe is, he is ready for that step up. And I think at 27 years old, this is the time for him now, really, isn't it? This, he really needs to kickstart his career. He's got a good goal ratio. So he is pretty much ready probably for that step up. That will be a big challenge for him. But all in all, like I say, head to bit.ly slash JF Analytics, a new video blog that we'll be doing and bringing to you. And... Um, you'll get the full picture there. But yeah, like I say, I think it is an, a promising signing for Helsingborg and you can watch the full analysis for free on that channel. There you go. Looking forward to seeing that analysis, uh, Jonathan. So, uh, well, without further ado, we're going to move into the uh, the main course of this episode, which is uh, an interview with Uruguay manager Axel Kjell. So uh, let's take it away. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. My name is Jonathan Vaduba and we are here today to be joined by another special guest. Uh, we've had him on the show before so it's a, a welcome back and I'm pleased to say that we are joined by the Audible manager Axel Kjar. Axel, how are you getting on there? Yeah, thank you very much. I'm fine, thank you. I'm glad to hear it and uh, of course hope you hope you're well in in Sweden and uh, thank you for joining us for your time I mean I guess that is the first pl uh, question really for you is you know um, you've been on the show before and the last time we spoke to you I think you were you'd been in charge for just under a year it was back in 2018 uh, so now you've nearly been at Odebrough for roughly around three years now so you know how have you been how's everything been in the last couple of years since we last uh, talked to you yeah it's been uh, it's been okay. It's been, of course, as in football, it's been ups and it's been downs. Uh, for me, it's been uh, a slightly change in my role. I mean, when we spoke last time, I was more of the head coach, and then the structure of the club was that we had a, a head coach, and then we had a sports director, and then we had the CEO. Uh, for um, almost a little bit more than a year ago, the, the club decided to change the structure a bit, so... From now on, we have the CEO, and then I'm more of a manager. So I have got some, some more responsibility when it comes to building the squad and development of the of the sports side of the club. Uh, so that's been 
been very uh, interesting and uh, fun for me to have that uh, experience, especially the last year. That's fantastic. Yeah, so it sounds like maybe more more responsibilities to a certain extent. How have you uh, dealt with that? You know, what what's changed? I mean, that sounds like it's maybe like a bit like the English model, if you know what I mean, a traditional English manager like the Sir Alex Ferguson or Arsene Wenger type uh, model of the manager in charge of a lot of the aspects of the club. Is that correct? And if so, um, tell us what that has involved on a day-to-day basis. What are you doing more now of? Or maybe, you know, what are you more involved with now than before? Yeah, but you can say that, like, from before, it's been like the the head coach has the main responsibility of the of the short-term development, which you focus more on maybe every game or week-to-week or month-to-month. And then you have the sport director. They have to have a little bit vision about uh, maybe for longer time and more from year to year so of course things have changed a bit for me and that has been the biggest thing of of, it's been mainly two or three things you can say first of all is of course more of building the squad like a head coach you're involved but you don't have the full responsibility now it's been for me to to build a squad recruitment of players try to sell players more dealing with agents uh, more Working with the structure of the of the club uh, in terms of uh, how the how the squad should look for the next two three years, also more responsibility when it comes to responsibility of the co-workers that I have, uh, the personnel that that works closest to me, and also um, it comes down to negotiations, negotiations with the. Uh, players that we want to sign, negotiations with players that, that we want to renew the contracts with. So, uh, so you're direct- a new side. Uh, yeah. So I do, I do pretty much, uh, I wouldn't say everything, but I do a lot more in terms of recruiting players. Sure, and sure, then sure. it comes more for me for me to try to delegate, delegate uh, things to, uh, to the other coaches also. What's also happened in, the, in January that uh, my assistant coach, Daniel Beckstrom, was uh, signed by Malmö, so since the end of uh, January we have a new assistant coach, that's, his name is Vito Gassimba, it's from from Portugal, but has been working in Norway for the last six years, I think. Okay, so does that mean you are literally involved with, say, negotiating uh, for co- players' contracts as well as, as, well as everything else uh, in management, so do you deal with the actual acquisition of the players, you know, neg- negotiating contracts, etc.? Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. With the pay, mainly with the players' agents, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's been a new part of me, and that's been a lot for me to learn. I'm, I'm very grateful that we have a great CEO that have helped me, especially in the beginning. But uh, we we work tight together, me and him, and then we have one guy from the board that has a little bit more responsibility for the for the football. So we three form a group of. Uh, that we try to to work together in those things, but I am the the guy who is is making the neg- negotiations. That's fantastic. I mean, uh, we'll we'll come back to that in a second because there are some questions I want to ask you about transfers and and that kind of thing in the past uh, year or so. Um, so I will definitely revisit that question. I think the first place to go from here, though, is clearly the situation in Sweden. Uh, we. You know, as we know, there's a crisis around the world, the pandemic, and uh, every nation has dealt with it in a different way. Uh, it's a crazy situation all around the world. 
Can you tell us the latest in Sweden and, you know, when will uh, the games return? We've been given different dates, um, different reports we've seen from the Osvenskan, you know, potentially June. Um, what is the latest on that and what can you tell us in terms of football maybe returning and also um, how it's been in the last sort of six, seven, eight weeks for you guys over there? Yeah, like you say, in the whole community and in the and also, of course, in the football world, the last uh, two months, more or less, have been have been very, very strange. Uh, Sweden as a country is, I think, if you compare it to countries in the world and, and in Europe, has been one of the countries that they choose uh, the line of, of not uh, go to lockdown. It, the schools, the stores have been opened, uh, children go to daycare. We also, as a football team, as a football club, we have continued to train. There have been restrictions in terms of uh, that, of course, if you feel a little bit sick, a little bit extra, then you stay at home. Of course, we have we have done some different things that, for example, we, we train with the team, but we don't have any meetings inside the, the players. They change in different locker rooms, so they change four and four, five and five in the stadium. Uh, and the main thing is that we don't play any games. We're not allowed to play friendlies. And the, uh, the Allsvenskan uh, has been postponed. But probably what we hope for is that uh, what the Federation and also what, the, what we think is in the mi middle of June. But that is what uh, 14th, 15th of June, that is what, uh, what we're working for. But it also, we haven't got that confirmed from the government and still what the signs that that the federation uh, and the league association gets from the government is that we don't know now you you have to wait so the situation has been very very unsure uh, yeah unsecure you could say so what we have done we have been um, first of all we took two weeks off uh, and then we came back and, and now we train we we tried to to of course work on the game model as much as possible. We take this, uh, we try to take it as something positive that we can go into extra details in attacking, defending, and transition. We try to have these uh, trainings at least once, sometimes twice a week. We try to play a lot eleven versus eleven. Uh, but of course, you 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 miss that little bit extra when it comes to games because uh, the. The work as a coach and the work as a player, especially in season, is that you prepare for the game, you play the game, you evaluate the game, and then you go on for the next game. And that's how you try to improve week to week. Yeah. That's how are you in for? You try to win the next game. So of course that have been been a challenge for for us as a coaching staff and also for me as a as a boss for both the, the coaches and the players to to make them feel that this period is still important that we don't even though we don't have any games yeah so, I think that's a challenge of course that's what um, very interesting I think that's one of the questions I have for you you know what, what's it been like as a manager to sort of keep players motivated keep them fit after so long without any games obviously in Sweden there was a long pre-season as well wasn't there so you know we're coming up to the, the league ended last November didn't it so we're, you know we're yeah. talking sort of six seven yeah, months so now yeah. how, how has it been like, keeping them motivated and, and what have you done to keep them alert can you give us maybe examples as well do you set them sort of homework you mentioned there that you're still keeping the training you're still keeping the tactical sessions that kind of thing um, what other things have you done to keep the players motivated alert and how difficult has that been for you I mean, first of all, I think it's important 
this this different times and this what have 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 happened in the world. I think as a even though we are a team sport, you have to understand that different uh, people they take it uh, differently. We have. For example, we have uh, Kevin Wright that is born and raised in London. Of course, you have to understand that he thinks it's very strange that we can continue to train. He speaks with his family, he speaks with his friends back in London and see that everything is in lockdown. Sure. We have players from Denmark, we have players from from Brazil. Of course, they think that oh, they do like this in my country and, and from here we go on as, as uh, not so many not so many changes. So that has been number one to to understand that people handle this differently. I mean, we can also have a player that maybe he have uh, someone in the family that have uh, have the corona and then, of course, he feels a little bit unsecure about himself. So that has been number one. Be there for the players, speak with the players, be seeing the more persons that may be than footballers, first of all. And then second of all, when it comes to football, we are trying to to put a lot of a lot as possible with competition within the trainings that uh, one thing is that we have this uh, competition week to week. We get points if you win the games. We have we try to have competition every every day about who will bring in the equipment. We try to to as much as possible feel, make them feel that every training is important. And also we try to to speak to them in terms of that uh, this will be very useful for us when Alsens can start. We need to to make this first line of pressure be as good as possible because when Alsvens can start, what we think, because like you said, the league have not started yet in Sweden, so we we're, we have something in front of us. We're not like the, almost rest of Europe, they're in the middle of something. So we think that when we start, the league will be it will be much more games in less time, which means it will be less, less time to train. So yeah. that's mean that we have to be even more prepared both physically but also tactically when the series starts. So that's how I try to motivate them from day to day. I mean, it seems like <clears throat> the situation out there is, is quite strange in, in the sense, like you say, Sweden has that model where there is a kind of summer break usually, uh, you know, a long break for the summer um, with the transfer window reopening. Um, and that is, oh, I can imagine that's difficult. In terms of coaching development for yourself on a personal level, what have you been doing yourself to you know deal with this period um as a manager have you had to learn or adapt anything yeah for example in your sessions and also when you know we mentioned there that you've been in the role now nearly, nearly three years since we last spoke obviously um in terms of your development as a coach uh, specifically um what have you done to develop yourself as a coach in, in those kind of years I, I remember when we spoke uh last time you said that you're very big on self-development self-improvement um so i'm interested to know what you how have you Got kind of develop yourself in that in that time. Do you, for example, have time to visit other clubs and 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 get um, advice? You know, you're still a very young manager. You know, you're in your thirties. Uh, so, um, what have you been doing to develop yourself? Have you, you know, are there any books, for example, you'd recommend if if a coach was listening, for example? Um, what would you advise to them if they want to develop themselves like you have and become a manager in a, a such a high level? No, but that's a good question. First of all, if it's something that has been slightly positive with this uh, corona is that uh, you have some times and I have used this time for self-reflection a bit and also of course uh, trying to study watch other teams when they play mm. try to read the uh, try to read in some things on on the internet but uh, I also been working for the past five or six years I've been working with a company that's 
that's based in Barcelona that is called Soccer Service. Um, so now has also been the time for me to they do. I have been there doing some classes, but also been some extra for me that doing some classes over the over the internet with them. Things that you don't have so much time to do when you're in the middle of the season. So that has been good for my self development. If we if we look back to the last three years, as you said, I've been pretty lucky because. Somewhere around the way, uh, along the way, uh, year by year, I have—I don't know if you can say I've uh, taken another step, but I have got some new things in my role. For example, for me, it was a huge step going for just being the head coach and being a manager, becoming a manager. Yeah. So then it's been for me. I would say for the last year, what I've been f- learning most, I would say, is all of those things that is that I didn't know from before. So I have been. I have been forced to learn because it's been been new expectations on on me in my new role. So along the way, I have been been learning a lot, and I think that is if, like I said, I've been lucky now. Uh, that's I think it's the best uh, way to learn that you that you that you have to that you have to learn along the way. Uh, so that has been very very uh, good for my development when it when it comes to how you handle agents, how you work with your good negotiations, how you work with your scouting network, how you also are more responsibility for for the personnel that they have close to you. How do you, for example, now I'm responsible with the kit man, I am responsible with the, with the physio, mm. I have the responsibility of working together with the media department a little bit. Things that also now we have a new administrator that I am responsible of. So that had also been very useful. And, and I think the third thing that has developed me, uh, that was during the whole of January, we work very, very hard on our recruitment of a new assistant coach that's been what we worked on for almost four or five weeks mm. when, when our, my former assistant coach had rec- recruited by Malmö sure. one of the biggest as I was said with the biggest team in Sweden and uh, now we and start to working with the with a new assistant that, that come with new influences and also for me as a head coach how do you involve him as much as possible in the way we want to work and also, but without keeping the uh, the identity that we have built from, from the last years. So that I think, like I said, the last years have been very development. Yeah, I can imagine. I have developed a lot. I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, is that something you can learn? Is there is there classes to teach you? You know, how to do, how to, like you said, how to negotiate, how to deal with the kit man, how to deal with agents. Is that something uh, you can? Learn, or is just is it just experience? Yeah, I think experience. But then, of course, you. You try to read. You try to speak to to people. You know. You try to use your network. For example, uh, the first thing I did when I, I got the question if I wanted to become a manager of the of the club was to make four or five phone calls to different people in in Scandinavia that I've been known from before that uh, and speak to them a little bit that have that role or maybe some coaches they had that role from before. And then along the way, if it's something that you don't know, then you you have to think, okay, how can I, how can I learn from this? Yeah. How can I, how, how can I, where can I get the information? And I, that has been, that has been some challenging times, but also something that uh, that I think will be useful in my in my career. As, Definitely. If it is more as a head coach or if it's a manager, that we will see. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it can only be good for your development for sure, especially when you, as I mentioned, you know, you're you're not yet even forty. So you know, as a young manager, I think that could really stand you in good stead. And who knows? In England, that's kind of um, 
the model so you never know you know that could uh, maybe ease your pathway over here maybe one day um i want to ask you about the uh the season <clears throat> that's just gone because i'll be honest with you we had a season preview last year and in our pre-season predictions we we thought Oribor might struggle uh, i'm not going to lie you know there's no point hiding we, we 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 thought you'd be maybe towards the lower end of the table um the reason for that was because obviously you lost key players such as um Kennedy, Igbo and Anike, Nahir Basara, who were some of the you know, top players really in, in the league to a certain extent. Certainly Basara had a lot of player um, interest and had a really great season. Uh, but you ended up finishing ninth, um, did, did pretty well to be honest I'd say. Um, tell us you know, about that last season, how it went and you know, what were your expectations going into it and how it, as, it, as, it, as it developed, how did you go? Um, you know, Audubon had a, a sort of maybe a slow start, two defeats to begin the season. Um, but you kind of picked it up, especially in the summer period. Um, tell us about the season in general. Obviously, it was your, I think, third full season in management as well. So tell us about that season just gone and, and um, your expectations and how it developed. Yeah, as you say, it was challenging. We, we lost some very good players. We, of course, we tried to replace them. Uh, I would say that um, uh, this was, on the other hand, one of my best seasons head coach but on the other hand maybe the worst season as a head coach and what I mean by that is that uh, during this season we struggled a lot with injuries mm. we had very much injuries both injuries that was uh, that we suffered that was for a long time but also injuries that were one game two game then they were back and then they got injured again and for me I think injuries it's not just unlucky it's is the, the head coach main responsibility to, to try to, to keep the players fit and keep them on the pitch. That is his job. Then, of course, he needs to have a good staff around him. But that, so that I we struggled with, and that I was very, very disappointed by myself. So we couldn't get keep the, the players on the pitch, and with that we couldn't keep playing with our first 11 uh, more games together. Mm. Uh, but I'm also very proud of even though those tough times, as you said, uh, we had we had uh, we had to change from from game to game a lot, and I'm th- I'm very proud of my job as a as a head coach during these times to to even though we had tough get the results, and also when it comes to coaching to to get the players build relations in a short amount of time in terms of that I think we had good tactical training. We did some good scouting of the of the opponents, and uh, so that's also, like you say, a pretty stable nine place. But if we should, I think, if we should be a team that that goes for the, for I would say the top six or something like that. That for now in Sweden it's very tough. Then yeah. we need to have a season that we don't have so much uh, so much injuries. And also, if you look to the season, I, w- I would say that you can look at it. In, it was mainly three parts of the season. Like you said, the first the first part it was tough. We had tough start. We didn't get so many points. We had a lot of injuries there. We had some uh, some uh, players that uh, that was in and out a lot. Then came the summer, and I'd say the summer was the best part for us. But then we also played. I think it was four or five games in a row with almost the same starting eleven. Mm. And that eleven we can build a lot on, and they could. Then it was also the best player available. They could work together for for a long time. Uh, and that developed us a lot. And then come the last part of the season where, one, we played against the best team that was going for the gold. And but we also took the decision, me as a manager, and I think one of the reasons why I took this decision was that I was a manager, not a head coach. 
that we played a lot of the young players. We had, uh, I think it was four or five players that made the first, they were making the debuts in, in Alsenskan against really, really strong teams. So that was the last five, six games where was more or less looking for the future, giving these players experience. And then we also suffered some tough results in the end of the season. So three parts of the season, I would say. Yeah, for sure. And I think uh, Carlos Strandberg maybe had a, quite a big impact as well on loan, and he? he picked up some form um, around that sort of time and, and, and helped score some goals that you needed as well. I mean, you, you mentioned there that you've got the, you know, you, you developed a young squad, which is probably boosts both you well for the future, I imagine. Um, you've also been quite tactically versatile since you joined. Uh, we, I remember t- talking about tactics with you on the last podcast, so um, we can always put a link to that if anyone wants to listen back to it. You know, we, we had a good discussion about pressing, um, pressing traps, that kind of thing. Um, you've you've kind of experimented with your system um, in the in the sense of playing a back three at times, sometimes a back five. You've been quite tactically versatile. Do you have a, a set style? Would you say now that you've developed, or would you say, given your background as a, an opposition scout? Uh, that you like to, you know, adapt your tactics based on the opponents kind of thing, or, or based on the availability of your players. Where where do you sit on that debate? Because you know, there's some managers who are very rigid. This is our shape. This is our style. This is how we play. Some are like like to vary it depending on who they're against. What what would you say about yourself on from that point of view? Now you've had more time in the job. I would say that uh, I learned a lot last last year, and I think last last year when you have injuries, players going in and out, then it's a little bit more difficult, I think, to be technical, to, to be flexible, mm-hmm. uh, to be more technically flexible, because then it comes both the new system and the new relations. So what we had during the summer when we played with, with the same players for, for more games, then it's easier to, to change the system, because then the players know each other and then it's just changing the system. So that also made us maybe stick a little bit more to to the formation that we had but i would say if we look for for the future i think uh, uh, where i am now and this will be interesting to see in the in the next uh, three or five years where i am now i i will always have the base but uh, i will also be flexible depending on the opponents i think that's the chance for us as a middle middle club in sweden to to have those games where you play against better opponents is to to have a very good match plan that is not like okay we always do this and then and then we continue to do it no matter who we play then i think of course that will be successful if we play against teams that over time are worse than us i think malmo for instance that if they play with the because they have the best place in sweden if they put the system into place and do it very very well then i think they will have success but for us i think we have to understand that we will have to change a little bit depending on on the opponents, the quality of the opponents, the system of the opponents. Uh, so that I think also will be for this for this year. What we will do this year that will be the biggest change. What we have trained on and get some extra time now is we go for a back three. We'll go to a back four, and that will be interesting how we can how we can manage this. It's been new for for the players, and uh, it's been interesting to see during the season if that. If that will will help us to to perform even better this year, is that like a four four a four four two type formation or a four you know four three three or are you experimenting different shapes? Well, uh, what what we will do is that the back four will be there, but that uh, then the three we will play mainly with the three players in the center, and that will be we will be flexible if you play with the a four three three, if it will be a four four two or a four two three one. So you can say the, the the three players in the middle they they can change both from game to game. But also in the games yeah. that will be give us different uh, possibilities. But uh, 
the main core will be the back four and three players centrally and then then we will see how we form those three and also where we put the wingers if we decide to put the wingers uh, a little bit more inside or a little bit wider so yeah we will see but it's also interesting for, and developing for for me as a coach to to change especially go to this back four where it was my core before when I was assistant coach and my first year as head coach yeah. and we have two and a half seasons now with with mainly back uh, five or back three so it will be interesting to see how we can manage this for sure, change. for sure and it's always good to you know, develop, isn't it, and experiment with new styles, teach your players new things. I mean, one of the areas that uh, we will talk about is how to develop players. You know, that's something I'm interested in because uh, you've had a very good player last season, uh, Jake Larson, who has attracted a lot of interest, in fact, uh, from big clubs, uh, from what I understand. Um, I guess as the manager, you must be dealing with that situation yourself day to day as well. Um, tell us about his development and on a wider you know, widening out. How do you? What's your philosophy for developing players? Are you a manager that likes to work with young players? And if you are working with a young player as a manager, how? What do you look to to develop them? What are the key? You know, um, what are the key things to developing young young players? Yeah, I will say that the club. Uh, one of the things when I got in as manager, what is what they said to me that for for us as a club to take the next step and. What I totally agree on is uh, is um, is to increase the economy of the club, and you can increase the economy of the club in different ways. But the two quickest ways is uh, one, if you go to Europe, and if you go to Europe and you go to Europa League or Champions League, then you get a lot of money from that. And the other thing is to sell players. Mm. And to sell players, you have to uh, you have to develop players because uh, we are not the club that can that can buy expensive and then sell expensive we we is type of of, of uh, team that get uh, players maybe a little bit cheaper can we develop uh, development uh, have good development and, and and then release them for more money so what's then it comes down to the the next level which players are attractive for for the clubs that will be mainly young players players that have the potential Sure. Uh, and then if you zoom in a little bit to Jake Larson was a player that was in the academy of Hammarby they didn't promote him to the first team he was born and uh, raised in this town he was with us for, for one week uh, for trial in the winter and then for me when I saw him he had especially two things that made made him very very interesting for us one was the was the pace uh, his way of going for the goal always he saw the goal and the second thing was his ambition when I spoke to him, where he said, looking to my eyes, and said that I, I want to be one of the best players in Sweden. I am, I am ready to work very, very hard for it. So that made made him interesting. And then we signed him. And then he came in. He performed well. He scored a couple of goals. I think in the end of the, of, uh, uh, yeah, it was in May, April and May. Then came the summer, and then the summer he, when the team was strong, he was also very, very strong. He did some very, very good games. Then I think uh, for the last 10 games, then he had a little bit tougher. But also during the summer, it was a lot of speculation with him, a lot of rumors. And yeah. also something that is tough for, for young people to handle. And all of a sudden, expectations from himself and from people around him grows uh, a lot. But he's a very interesting player that also made his debut for the national team on the 21 in Sweden. And... Uh, I think that he, with his ambition, also what I'm very happy is that we could sign a new contract with him, so he extended his contract two more years. So that's a guy that I think if he continue to continue to develop as he has been doing, 
he will probably this season leave for uh, for a bigger club. Yeah, there's been rumors with um, yeah, Inter Milan, for example. I don't know. Is I mean, can you confirm that, or is that tr- links to Italy? Is that true, or are you able to say anything? Uh, it's, like be, it's, it's been a lot of interest from from Italy, especially. We I cannot confirm that it's been a, been a bid from such a big club as Inter, but it's been some interesting from from clubs from the Serie A. And then, of course, it comes down to when he performs well in the national team and when he continues to perform well here, then we will see what's happening. Yeah. But he's also a guy, he's a local, he's from the town, and he's also uh, very, very important for the club and uh, the ambition that the club has. So it will be interesting, to, like I said, to follow him. And when, when it comes to development of players, I think, number one, the most important thing in the way that I want to work with players is the players that is dedicated to what they do. I mean, you can have the talent and you can be the guy that have the talent, but you're not ready to work so hard for it. And then you, I think you can manage in a few years. But then uh, uh, then if you, if you don't have like the ambition, I have to see in their eyes that when they say I want to become the best, uh, I have uh, the version of myself, I want to become one of the best players in Sweden. Uh, and then when they go out on the pitch and every day show it, then I'm ready to, to try to give them the tools. The tools in... in in terms of uh, working extra after trainings, tools and giving them extra feedback, but also the, I think the most important tools that you can get as a young player, the chance to play really competitive games. Yeah. That you get the chance to play in the on the highest level and that you get the chance to play and even if you don't perform 100%, then you get the chance again. So I think we have um, maybe together with Jake Larson, we have one, two, maybe three players that uh, that uh, will be very interesting to see uh, this year. Yeah, for sure. Um, maybe uh, th- it will be interesting to watch all the rules with, with, with that young talent that they have, definitely. I mean, let's talk about the transfer market. And, and you know, you, you've, you've, you've just mentioned your new role there to a certain extent in terms of dealing with negotiations and things. Um, one thing we've noticed with Orebro in recent seasons is, I mean, although you have Kevin Wright as a good example, he's a, an English player, and I wonder if you um, have ever thought about looking more at English players. But um, one thing I've noticed about the recruitment is quite often you've taken players from the Swedish market, maybe, like you say, Jake came from Hammerby's uh, academy. Um, there's been other players, you know, perhaps from Degafors, and I'm trying to think of examples that you've signed off the top of my head. But uh, there are many examples of players that you've recruited from maybe lower leagues of Sweden and that kind of thing. What do you look for in your recruitment? And do you, you know, you work together with your scouts, I imagine. Um, is it kind of like a philosophy to, to recruit from Sweden or is it choice? Or, you know, what are the factors when you look to recruit now that you're more in charge of that side of things? Yeah, we, we took the decision also to focus mainly on the Scandinavian market. And the reason for that is it's mainly two. One, that that I think that's a market that we can handle. I mean, we're not the biggest club. We don't have a lot of scouts. We have, uh, of course, a scouting department, but it's not so big. Um, that is number one. And number two, if we recruit players from, from Sweden or from Scandinavia, we also see the chance for them to... to um, uh, what you say? They can come into the uh, to the club quick. They can come into the league quick. Come into the country quick, and that we see is good. So what we mainly do, we work with, uh, I would say, three types of uh, transfers. We look at these uh, three categories, you could say. Uh, number one is the the top players. If it's players that play in in other Allsvenskan leagues, if it's players that we see, they go in and they will be a starting player for sure. They will. They will improve uh, the team. They will will 
straight away be one of the best players in the team. If that player can be a guy that's that's from Örebro or from close to Örebro, from the country, then then we were happy with that. But that's one um, one um, uh, part we work on. The second is that we look at lower leagues in Sweden. Superettan. We mm. want to yeah. to be very good in Superettan. Recruit the best players in Superettan this year. We signed three players from Superettan, and I would say that we we signed the top goal scorer. We signed one of the best offensive midfielders, and for me, we signed by far the best uh, the best left back. So there, we also want to be strong. We also want in that uh, that part is the second part is that uh, also players from Division One in Sweden that we think have and they should have the potential to the first year. They could should compete for a position in the starting eleven, and the ambition should should be that at least the second year, then they will be a, a starting player. And then we have the the third part that we mainly look at uh, young players, young player from our own academy. We look for young players that uh, plays in other top academies. And uh, for instance, what we did last summer was that we recruited the uh, under 17 national team right back from Malmo. And for us, recruiting a player from from Malmo from their academy, it's uh, it's big. But what also happens in the in we have, I think that the best teams in Sweden, Malmö, AIK, Djurgård and Hammarby, uh, yeah, those teams, they are, have very, very good academies. They put yeah. a lot of money into the academies and they have very good academies. They work very, very well. But they are also the toughest teams to get into as the youngster. I mean, for example, Malmö, they have such a good squad. They have such experienced players. And they also, in, in every group, um, in different uh, age, they have uh, national team players. For instance, the players that are, bo- that are born 2002, I think they have eight or nine national team players. Yeah. And so it's very, very tough also within that group. So there we see a chance that we can recruit players from, from these teams that can come to us and get uh, get a contract with the first team. And the third thing that we look at is national team players in the, in the youth, if it's national team players that maybe have not come to a big club yet. Yeah. For these three parts, that's what we, what we mainly trying to focus our recruitment on. I mean, one example of that is uh, a couple of players I want to ask you about now. I mean, just to just to tell the listeners, I mean, you've signed uh, Isaac Boy, <coughs> Simon Gustafsson, a couple of others, um, <clears throat> the ones that you just mentioned uh, from the Super Ed- well, from Lungskiller, BK Forward, um, uh, as your arrivals this this season, I think. Um, you, one thing I wanted to ask you is about one of the big players that you have signed is Jack Lane who's come from Oikor, obviously he went to France with Amiens. He's a player that we talked about a lot in the past years. Um, back when I was in Sweden, I saw him a lot in youth football uh, when he was at Bromma Poikana. Um, tell us about him, because, I mean, I, th- I suppose it's quite sad in a way, because his loan, I think, is only till the summer, right? So if the games don't resume, then there's possibly a chance he might not play. Is there any discussions about extending it, or what's the situation uh, with him? But t- tell us about him as a player, you know, and his potential. Yeah, but if we look at the different categories that we spoke about, the different parts, now one, two, three, here's a player that we think can can improve us as a team. And then if we, if we find players that is available alone that we th- think can improve us as a team, then we also look for that. So Jack was a name that, that came up. I think that we had, uh, last year we had a big success where we loaned Carlos Tambay from Malmö. And yeah. then he, he scored a lot of goals and then he went to Saudi Arabia. So I think also uh, players... Uh, other clubs see that we that um, uh, 
that the place Örebro is, it's a pretty calm town, but I think with the good coaches and a good chance for development, then I think Örebro is interesting for, for those who maybe really need to take a new step in the career. And then Jack is a guy that, uh, like I said, very, very young. He came forward in Swedish football. He did great success in Bromma Pojkana. He was alone on Aiko. And then he had the tough situation in Amiens. Then we got the chance to, to have him here on loan. He's very, very fast. We see him as he can play as a nine. He can also play as a winger. He can be very useful in counter-attacking, but he is also very skillful in going going in. Uh, and when we play against low defense, he can start from the side, go one with one and create goal-scoring opportunities for himself or for others. So that's a guy that uh, that I that we thought that if he gets to us, he, he will get a lot of games. Then we can also have a lot of benefit from him. Then, like you said, the situation has been very strange for him. He came, he arrived. I think he was here for three days. Then we played in the cup against Elfsborg. He played for 87 minutes, and then after that, um, everything was cancelled. So he came here to play more games. Yeah. Now we have not played any games at all. And also during this period, his his club that he belongs to, Amiens, got relegated from the from the first division in in France. Yeah. So. So we will see in the next couple of weeks, I think, uh, what will happen. Because this happened last week with Amiens, spoken a little bit with the club. Of course, I speak with Jack, and they also in France, they don't know exactly when the when the series starts again. So we will see. I, I feel sad for him that, uh, that of course, I feel sad for everyone. But but we, we will see. He's a great guy. He's a very, very good player. And we will see if he will get any efficient games for us or, or what will happen. That I don't know. No. Yeah, I mean, and how did you do with uh, there was a rumors, well, a publicized report that he uh, missed the game because he fell asleep and and slept through his alarm. Um, how did you? How was that dealing with that uh, for you as a manager? Uh, was it just one of those things? Of course, or? Of course uh, yeah, of course. I think it's very important in a football club. You have your rules. You have uh, times. It's very, very important as a football player. It's important in in different jobs, but that's important. But you also have to understand that uh, uh, things can happen. And uh, people can make mistakes, and uh, as long as you learn from your mistakes, then uh, then I think uh, then it's fine. Yeah. If you do the same mistake over and over again and you don't pay attention to it, and to it then um, then uh, then it's a totally totally different case. But uh, I spoke to him, and he uh, was very sad. He understand what he did wrong, but he's also a young guy, and also one part of of me as a coach, and it's further development. Is of course to to, to make him understand the importance of these things cannot happen. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's, uh, that's what's, what I can say. Yeah, for those who don't know him, he's a, an 18 year old player, still very young, um, and definitely yeah. one worth watching if we do get the chance to resume the season. Uh, if he stays at Udubo, I hope, hope he does, to be honest, because that would be. Um, we had him down as one of the players to watch. Uh, another one I want to ask you about is uh, there's been a lot of rumours about Jilo and Hamad. Um, some publicised reports that he may be joining the club. Um, obviously, he was a Hammerby big player. Is is that something that's confirmed, or is that is that something that's just rumours? Uh, can you comment on that? No, but I, I would say Gillan. For those who don't know him, he was he was born in. in uh, his first club was in Örebro. Yeah, he's, he's a guy that's been grown up in in uh, in Örebro when he was in in Sweden before he left for Malmö and then he went for for uh, Deutschland and from Germany and then he went to come back. He is a guy that I've been known for 10-15 years because I was also a player and the head coach in his former club here in, 
here in Örebro, it's called Beko Forward. And the guy that when he is in town, I try to meet him. We speak, sometimes he trains with the team when he has been in between two clubs. And uh, he is one of the players that uh, I I would really love to, to work with in the future. Then when it fits him, that, that we'll see him when it fits the club. But I hope that some sometime in the future he will come and play for, for Örebro. And I also know he has a... He is very positive to that because it's his hometown, and I think that as a football player, you, you always want to try to have a few years in, in your hometown. Then, <clears throat> then we will see. He is in Croatia now. Is he doing well? But of course, I have my hopes that that he will join. Yeah, he's a very good player, and it'll be it'll be interesting if he does come back to Sweden, and certainly a boost potentially. Um, <clears throat> a couple of final questions before we let you go. Appreciate your time, as I say. Um, really good to talk to you and get your insights. Um, one of the things. We read uh, recently about uh, the CEO, Simon Astrom, and obviously this is a wider question for Swedish football. Uh, he mentioned that the club is in a, a difficult situation financially, obviously due to the coronavirus, the crisis. Um, like Sweden, I mean, it is a situation that's going to affect all clubs, really, even around, around the world, you know, even Premier League level, um, losses of revenue, that kind of thing. Can you tell us a bit more about the situation specific to Audible? Will it mean that you need to maybe sell more players or... Um, are you able to manage it? Is it has it been difficult conversations? What's the sort of short term, medium term look for Audible as a club at the moment? You know, uh, with maybe the potential loss of revenue, that kind of thing. How are you be, being able to cope with that? Yeah, of course. I mean, when when this thing starts to happen, then uh, of course when when the when we don't play any, any games, there is no income from because we don't have any spectators. Uh, I think Örebro as a club has been, for those who don't know it, has been in Sweden a uh, mid-table club, both when it comes to points, but also when it comes to to economy. I think for the last two years, we've been the team that have got that, that paid, le- uh, paid least for the amount of points that, that we got. So that is something that I think we're very proud of, that we can maximize the performance, although our economic uh, economic situation. So I think in terms of we're a pretty stable club. We have uh, we have the financials in place. But of course, for Swedish football and for for Örebro, when when Alfens can start, if it will be no spectators, then of course it will be tough for us. Then if it will be for five games or ten games or fifteen games, that will of course affect. Uh, it also what's if the Alfens can cannot start at all. If they will have to, it will not be in the middle of June. If it have to be July or August or September, I don't know. Then of course, one of the biggest income for for all the Swedish club is the TV money and uh, yeah. Swedish football. And of course, us also was very happy for because for this year it was the first year with a new TV company, Discovery, where we got uh, yeah. much more money from that company. Then of course, if we don't have any games, then they don't have any games to to show. Then if they start to, that we don't get any money from the TV company, then of course it will be tough. Uh, I'm very happy and pleased that we have a strong CEO as we have now. I also know that uh, uh, there's that this club is so important for so many people. So I'm, I really hope and I think that the club will survive. But of course, I think we also have to, as in the rest of the world, if it's football, if you have uh, finances, will 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 be tough. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it'd be very 
keen to see what happens next and hopefully you know things can can resume especially like you say with the the new tv deal which does promise to bring in some extra finances for sweden which would be really good um final question then before we let you go um you're not uh, as i understand it you're in an outgoing contract at the moment um uh, i think with one year left remaining maybe on your deal uh, according to reports um, any thoughts about your own future have has there been talks about a new contract are you settled at the moment um and what is the outlook for the season ahead you know what are your ambitions with audible or what do you how do you look at the season when it does eventually start again uh, how are you looking at things um you know with your targets do you have any clear targets in mind no, but like I said, if we start with with myself, I'm I'm very proud and I like uh, very much working in the in the town where I am born, in the team that I started to play when I was five years old. So of course, having a, a, such a big role in this club, I'm very proud of, and I think the development for for me and also for for the players in the club is is pretty stable. So, but uh, I also know that I'm I'm. I'm very lucky that I've been working at the same place for so long time, and I also know that the results uh, they they have to be good. Otherwise, it's the chance that you will get replaced. But I feel very comfortable. And I feel big trust from the board, and then we'll see what will what will happen the, maybe in the summer and uh, or maybe even in the end of the season. That that we will see. But I know that the club is is very happy with me at the point that we are right now, and I also think that. Of course, as a club, you have all, you always need to evaluate the uh, the head coach yeah, and if he works the way that you want the club to in the in the direction as the club wants. So that we will see. Yeah. The expectations for 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 the team, I think, as you said, uh, what we have been doing for the last couple of years, we have become ninth. Ninth, I think we were eleventh, and then we become ninth. I think we have the ambition, of course, to to get closer to the top teams. That must be our ambition. We, what I think is very important for us, is that we have a season where we have less injuries. And I also, what I have been said to the players, that this season will be unlike any other seasons because of the of the preparations, mm. the amount of games we will play, and the amount of time. But we can be the team that that is most prepared of all teams when Alfens can start if we do good things. It's the, the it's the same for every club. So that I hope could give us something positive. And I also the last thing I hope is that we can develop some players. It would be very nice for us to to these young players that we try to get in to development develop uh, have good development of them and see if we maybe can also sell a player. Even though you know that transfer market what will happen with the transfer market in Sweden in Scandinavia in Europe in the world the next year no one knows yeah definitely it's going to be a strange one um, we wrote an article recently I wrote an article recently saying that I can imagine it might be even an open open transfer window um, you know instead of the usual transfer windows in England certainly um, because the market's going to be very strange isn't it I suppose um, going forward but uh, yeah it's great to hear your thoughts on how, how things will go it's probably a bit too early to give predictions for you know who, who's going to win the league and that kind of thing there's a lot to go before we know that when the league's going to restart so I won't ask you for that because I remember last time you predicted uh, AIK to win the league so you were and you were completely right by the way um, so uh, you obviously know your stuff you obviously know your stuff um, but uh, yeah no it's fantastic to, to speak to you again Axel uh, really good insights uh, I think you've got a great future uh, in the game so um, thanks for your time and uh, thanks for talking to the Nordic Football Podcast Thank you. What an absolutely fantastic interview there. I really enjoyed listening to that. Incredibly insightful. 
into the life of uh, a top flight uh, Alsvenskan boss and um, I'm sure the listeners are going to really enjoy it. Um, well, that wraps things up for this uh, episode. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at NordicFootPod. Um, follow us on YouTube as well. Hit that subscribe button, like the videos, check out Just Football's um, YouTube channel as well with the analysis video that um, we mentioned previously. But, uh, yeah, apart from that, um, wishing all the listeners uh, the very best of health. Stay safe out there, and uh, we'll catch you all again very soon, hopefully. So, uh, goodbye.